Hey, it's summertime. Everybody doing all right? I love summer. I love summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, there's going to be more music. It's not over. Zach Brown Band. Yeah. Anyway, so, because Jesus loves country music. It's in the Bible. It should be. Anyway, anyway hey, hey, I got to tell you before we get into this, I, uh, we're going to cover a lot of territory, but before we get into this, I, I've had two of the best weeks of my life. Uh, let me tell you what I'm talking about. First of all, I became a grandpa again, all right? So, yeah, yay. So th- three, three weeks early, Emery Gracefoot was born on June the 10th. Right after that picture, Jonah smacked her. Anyway, so um, so some of you going, right, are you, every time you have a grandkid, are you going to say, announce it? Yes, I am. And if you don't like that, you just pray through that. Uh, but, uh, but I am, all right? So, so that's the first reason I had a great two weeks. Second, um, you all did what you always do. And here, here's what I mean by that. About a couple, couple weeks ago, I stood up here and we, and we unpacked this, this teaching Jesus had about if somebody asks you to do something for him, he says, why don't you go the extra mile, go that second mile. And, and he kind of, the, the application of that was kind of a what if question. Jesus looks at us and goes, what if my people became known as the second mile people? that exceed expectations, people. What are people that are connected to me kind of have that reputation? So you, and you guys I, I did what you always do. You expe- exceeded expectations. You were the second mile and the third mile and you just kept on going. And, and here's what I mean by that. I, uh, two weeks ago, I threw out some challenges. First of all, you guys are so financially generous in those buckets back there. Keep on doing that because we're making a difference in the world and you do that every week and that's awesome. S- second, would you consider going on or maybe spending or sending somebody on a short-term trip to Afghanistan of all places in the next 18 months? Last night, we had a meeting down the West End. Over 250 people came to find out more about going over for a week or two. And we have over 100 people, families, individuals, couples, whatever, who, who have made appointments with Ron Barnes about the possibility of moving to Afghanistan permanently or for several years and working in our schools. And that's amazing. The third thing is this. I ask you to consider going above and beyond what you do in the buckets back there, but getting on Sozo's website and giving directly to them to start, keep on building the schools we've already built and expanding them and adding grades and, and, and education programs for the parents and you you guys blow my mind you're amazing um as of thursday my last update from sozo so far you guys gave one-time gifts totaling eighty-one thousand four hundred fifty-two dollars and 51 cents and before last weekend the ongoing the monthly support that was coming into the website sozo's website from across the country was six hundred fifty dollars a month was coming in on the website there but after last weekend because of what god did through you guys that number has now grown to twenty three thousand six hundred eighty dollars and fifty cents a month which is amazing. It's just, it's, just cra- it's just crazy. And if you add that together with what the church has already given, in the last two weeks, we've generated a half a million dollars to build schools uh, for, for homeless kids in, in Afghanistan. So it's been, a couple, it's been a couple good weeks, I think, all right? The, the question that raises is why? Why do you do that? Why, why do we as a church do that? And it always goes back to this word that we keep coming back to in this series, because the word is values. This is our value series. We, we carve out six weeks every year to go back and look at our values. And here's what we've covered so far is that at Flatters, we really, really value God's word. We value the Bible. And according to God's word, Jesus values the least of these, the, the broken, the lost, the most vulnerable people in the world. He says, those people are really important to me. So because Jesus is important to us, they're important to us too. And so our mission is simply this, come and see what an intimate relationship with God looks like and what it's all about. See, values, it comes back to that. Values are the most important things. You have a lot of things in your life that are important. Your values are the most important things. Values are the hills that we'll die on. There's some things that are not that important. We'll let go of them. As a church and individuals, like we don't care about the color of the carpet. We don't care about what you wear. We don't care about what you look like. We don't care about that. We don't care about your police record. We, we really don't care about any of that. We really don't. There's some things that, that we, we'll let go of. There's some things we would die before we would let go of them. Values drive and define everything we do, including what we do and how we do and don't do them. No, no, no. Some churches do that. We don't do that. Why? Because of this value 
So today we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna look at another value that drives everything that we do around here, hopefully individually, but as a church. As a matter of fact, this value, or rather a bunch of people who have embraced this value as this is really important in my life, is what makes it possible for you to even be here today, to experience anything you've ever experienced in the past or what you might experience in the future at this place called Flatirons. It's our fourth value. We, we simply call it gifted service. It goes like this. We believe, this is a value, we will die on this hill before we let go of this. We believe that partnering together with one another, because none of us can do all of it by ourselves, but partnering together with one another and leveraging our time and our talent and our treasure, we can best, our best shot at representing Jesus to the world around us in both purpose, what he wants done in the world, and personality, how he wants to do it. So we're going to look at that, and as, as we unpack that, we're going to go back 2,000 years to a talk Jesus gave on a hill in, in the middle of this field, and the purpose of this whole talk that he gives, the last three chapters in the book of Matthew, will be Matthew chapter 6 today. The whole purpose is, this is what it looks like to be my followers. This is what it looks like to be connected to me. He's not saying this is what it looks like to be religious. Eh, we don't care. It's not what to be spiritual, whatever that means. No, no. This is what it looks like to live connected to me and have me just flow out of your life. Before I get into that, let me set this up a little bit, because if you were in that field 2,000 years ago, you noticed that when Jesus taught, the way that he most commonly taught, he used parables and metaphors and comparisons and analogies, and he would compare things. For example, he would take unfamiliar things that, that we weren't really familiar with, like God stuff, you know, or, or spiritual eternal stuff, things you don't think about, you know, in daily life, and he would compare that to stuff that you dealt with every day and say they're kind of the same, and he'd, he'd connect the dots, and people sitting out there would go, oh, well, if it's like that, I can do that. So you compare heaven to sheep and all the shepherds would go, well, that makes sense. And in farming, you know, he, he, he just compare that and all the farmers would go, oh, oh, okay, it's like that. Well, that makes sense. I could do that. Why didn't somebody just say it that way? Jesus says, that's why I'm here. Four of the most common metaphors or analogies or parables that Jesus used to teach about, this is what it looks like to live compared to me. Top four or this, the most common one was money. Jesus talked about more money more than any other subject he talked about. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. One out of every six words that came out of Jesus' mouth were about money, right? More than, more, than, more than heaven, more than hell, more than love one another, than forgive people, right? He used money as a metaphor. It's kind of like that. Life's kind of like that. Or as an example or evidence. Or Here's his most favorite way to use the word money. Money is the biggest revealer of what is most important in a person's life. You want to know what's most important to you? Let's look at your checkbook. And that's kind of the big revealer. Look, look, jump down to verse 21. This is where we're going to go in just a few minutes. This is Jesus talking. He says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, your heart's going to be there too. So straight up, Jesus says, where your treasure is, and let's just clear it up for everybody, where your money is, your heart, the things that you love the most, they'll always be in the same place. Love and money always line up. And again, no matter what you believe about Jesus, about God, about Christianity, if you were honest, you'd sit there and go, well, that's true. That's true. The areas of my life that, that I love the most or that I consider the most important, they get all my money. I love her. She gets all my money, right? That's just, that's, just, that's just reality, okay? It's just true. And, you know, as you're making plans for your summer vacation or what you're going to go to college for or what, whatever you're going to do in the future, the first question you ask is, now how much is that going to cost? Or can I afford that? That's not a right or a wrong thing. It's just reality. It just is. And Jesus knows that. That's how the life, life works. He just doesn't avoid it. Let's just talk about it. It's a great comparison for life. The other most popular metaphors or parables Jesus uses are body parts. I like those especially, all right? Farming, not really into that one, and light and darkness. Those are the top four, money, body parts, farming, and light and darkness. Now hold on to those because no matter what Jesus uses as a comparison, he's taking an ordinary thing and actually saying it's kind of like this extraordinary thing. 
And in the talk we're going to look at today, Jesus uses all four of those metaphors, and it's almost like he's saying, I'm going to throw in all my best stuff today. Because it's so important to me that you all get your arms around this, your heart around this, your head around this. Because if you miss what I want to teach you today, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I want to get done that's not going to get done and it's just going to fall apart. So here we go. Value number four is gifted service. This is what it looks like for God's people to join together to do what Jesus wants to get done in the way he wants to do it. Matthew 6, verse 19. Here we go. This is Jesus talking in a field out on a hill. Here we go. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, Or moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But, so that's how most people do it. But here's what I want you to do if you're my followers. But, here's a better way. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For, here it is, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So right off the bat, Jesus is talking about something we talked about in here a couple weeks ago. He's just calling it out. He's just saying to everybody in the field and everybody in this room today, everybody here, you have limited treasure Right, you have limited, and in this case, he's saying specifically, you have limited money. And that's just true, right? Listen, you have a very limited supply of money. Amen? Right? Everybody's sitting there going, that's true. None of us have an endless supply of money, do you? Come see me. Right, 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 right. Because I I got some stuff you can do. But um, but that's like we talked about last week. You know, your treasure, listen, we don't have to limit it to money. That's what Jesus is talking about. Maybe your treasure is your time. That's the most precious thing to you. We say things like this all the time. Time is money. Meaning this is your time is limited, so you have to leverage your time to get the most. Here it is, bang for your buck. We say, I, I wasted my time, or I, I have this much time I can spend, and then it's gone. The other area of life that you might treasure is like all the stuff you have to get done. You have a list of stuff you have to do before you go to bed tonight, right? All right, it's a long list, short list. Before you get to go, go to work tomorrow, before you go back to school this fall, whatever that is, you have a list of activities that have to get done. And you have certain abilities and certain talents, and there's, there's, there's a list of things that you are really, 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 really good at. The smartest thing, again, you might not get anything else out of this, but, 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 but Jesus is saying this, the smartest thing to do is figure out what you're really, really good at and do that a lot. What are you good at? You should do that a lot, as opposed to wasting your talent or ignoring your talents because they always get pushed aside with that other stuff that has to get done today that's not as important. You get to the end of your day and go, I really wanted to get to that. And then my, my day got ate up or my week or my summer or just got eaten up by this other thing that wasn't as important and now it's gone. The, the way we say that around here is, is this, all things are important. You sit in your list of things to do and go, that's important, that's important. Or you wouldn't do them. All things are important. Here's, here's kind of an aha moment. All things are not equally important. Never thought of it that way. How about this? Some things are more important than other things. Sometimes we don't realize that till down the road what Jesus is teaching here is this. Hey, 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 followers, people say you're connected to me. You have to look at your life. This is just a smart thing to do. You, you have limited time, limited abilities and opportunities, and you have limited money, and you have to prioritize your money, your time, and your activities because you don't have enough of any of them to do everything. So be smart. Prioritize and be very, very, very selective. And Jesus is saying that you've got these lists of things to do here, right? You're going to look and go, I've got to do this, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do this. Now, in light of what's most important, this is the most important thing, and what I most need to do, and what I'm actually really good at, then probably this should go first, and then this, and then this, and then this. And if I have time later, I'm going to do this and this. And then here's this other thing that's on my list. And the truth is, that can't even be on the list. Maybe not now. Maybe, not, maybe later, maybe, maybe not ever, that has to, that's off my list. And Jesus is saying, as you're prioritizing your life, keep this in mind. On that list, there's some stuff screaming to get done. It feels so, so important, and you're going to run after it, and you're going to get it, and you're going to go, oh, you know, it wasn't that important. 
And there's other stuff on the list that, that doesn't feel really, really urgent. And you look at those things, you go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get to you someday. When I, when I have some time and a little extra money, then I'm gonna get to that. Has that ever happened for anybody? I have so much money, now I can do it. No, no, you know, it's, just, it's just not real, it's not gonna happen. And Jesus says, be careful, because there are some most important things, and you have a limited window of opportunity, and then it's gone, they're gone, and you won't get them back. And that's some of our stories. They, it's, they're gone. They, they graduated, they got married, they moved away, they died, whatever that is, and now it's gone. And you missed it. You missed the most important thing because you were consumed with things that weren't as important. And here's the thing, God will forgive you. They're still gone. And you don't get another shot at them and you missed it. That's a, that's a horrible aha moment. So as you're prioritizing your life, Jesus calls it out. You are, he's not even asking a question, he's making a statement. You are pointing your limited treasure, time, talent, money, at the thing that owns your heart. What Jesus would say would be this, and maybe the only thing you need to walk out of here with today, make sure the most important things own your heart. As opposed to finding down the, down, down the road that you missed it for some other things that weren't as important. Okay, now, Jesus, the next, this next section, Jesus uses a body part metaphor and that whole light darkness. He puts it all in here together. Verse 22, he says this, and we're gonna go real slow through here. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. And if you look at the Greek in that, it actually translates kind of like this. It's like, it's like your eyes are, are your headlights, meaning your eyes point at whatever the rest of you is about to go, okay? So I'm gonna go over there. What do you do first? Eyes, and then you go. If you try to do that without eyes going first, it doesn't go well, right? It's like, I'm gonna go over there. Bam, you fall off the stage, all right? So, so don't do that. So your eyes are kind of like, that's the rest of you is gonna follow. So if your eye is healthy, and I, and I translate this out of the Greek, and it actually translates, if your eye is single, it's kind of, that's weird, all right? Uh, but it actually means as the opposite of double vision. If, if, you, if, you're, if you're single vision, all right? So, so if your eye is single vision, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, double vision split, all right? Then your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? That's a little confusing. So here's the gym version Bible. Don't buy it, okay? All right, it's kind of, all right. but here, here's, here's, I'm sitting in my office going, ah, okay. So how about this? If one eye saying go this way and one eye saying go that way, the result is you're going to be stumbling all over the place, tripping in the darkness and end up going no place. I think that's what Jesus was saying. And I think he likes my translation. So there, all right. And here's, here's what I said. Look at the next verse there, verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. He's not saying it's hard to or it's difficult to. No, you know, it's impossible. No one can serve two masters because here's what will happen. Either he or she will hate the one and love the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other because you can't. You cannot serve God and money. And the key word there is serve. It comes from the same word we get servant. A servant is simply someone who takes orders from somebody else. Somebody else runs my life, right? That's what a servant is, a slave, whatever you want to call it. Same word, right? right? Somebody else tells me what to do and I do what they tell me to do. And what Jesus is saying is this, don't set your eyes on two very different things and pretend that you can do them all. Serve both of them and, and not run into conflict. Oh, you will. It'll be a tug of war with both masters, both whatever, pulling you in different directions. And some of us, that's our life right now. Some of us, I got three bosses at work all telling me different things to do and I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. And at the end of the day, I don't know if I did a good job or a bad job. I got too many people telling me what to do. Some of us have a couple wives. Not at the same time. We're not that religion. All right, so you know. <laughs> oh, like we edit that out. Okay, uh, so um, 
Now listen, so we have a wife, we have an ex-wife, maybe two or three ex-wives, all right? And we're trying to keep them all happy, trying to figure it all, all out. Some, some guys, some, some of you have two girlfriends. I'm telling you, it's not going to work. It's not, there will be blood because she's going to find out about her and then there's going to be a conversation that goes really, really bad. It goes like this. You can't have us both. You, 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 have, to, you have to choose, but you can't have both. And if you can't choose, we'll make up your mind for you and you won't get either one of us. That's what Jesus, Jesus is saying that. Make sure you fix your eyes, serve, prioritize the right and most important things in your life or you will find yourself stumbling around in the dark. And if you, if you focus and run after the wrong things, it's very possible you'll end up with nothing. But what Jesus is saying is this, but if you'll run after the right things in the right order, you'll end up finding that you have everything you need. But you're gonna have to make a choice. You're gonna make a decision. What runs my life? And what am I going to run after with my life? Or jumping ahead, this is how Jesus says it down in verse 33. He says this, but, and he's just talking to people that are following him and connected to him, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So here's how, I'm going to go after the things of God and I'm going to put them at the top of the list and in the right order. And then here's what else Jesus promises. He says, and all these other things on the list, Jesus says, I got that. All those things will be added to you. And that's what this whole talk in the field is all about. He's saying, if you'll, if you'll live full of me and connected to me and run after the things that I say are high priorities in my life, if you'll make them high priorities in your life, you're going to find that it's a better way to live, not just after you die and go to heaven, not just one or two hours out of the week in your religious section of going to church or something like that, but your whole life will change and get better. So, so what, what, what do we do with all that? What is the application for our life? What are the most important things on my list? And, and if I were to understand what it looks like to live connected to Jesus, what is the right or the better way priority to put the most important things in? Simple. If you've never taken notes in church today, I want you to take notes in the next couple of minutes or I want you to be really good at memorizing because there's three things I want you to walk out of here with today. The first one is this. First priority in your life is you, 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 you have to seek God. You have to run after God. That's a, before anything else. You've got to work out your stuff with God. I, 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 do, I, I do a few weddings a year, and every, every wedding I, I've ever done in the last probably 10 years, and if I did your wedding, remember this, all right? I'll stop right in the middle of the ceremony, I'll look at the groom, and I'll say this. Listen, if you want to love her well, don't make her the focus and center of your life. That sounds romantic, and it sounds like a great country song. You're the one. You know, so, all right, right? That's not the best way to love her. The best way to love her is to run after God and become the man that God intended and created you to be, because when you become that man, she gets a better husband, and then your kids get a better dad someday and your friends get a better friend and your company or your, or, or your team or whatever gets a better leader. But if you make those things the beginning of your life, then you just dumb it down some. And I say the same thing to the bride. You wanna, you wanna love him well? Run after Jesus and become the, the woman you were created to be. So first priority is that you have to run after God. That's the most important thing in your life. Second, love your family. Love your family. And if you're running after God, you can love your family better. Husbands, love your wife like Jesus loves you. Providing and protecting her and, then, and your family. This is the second most important priority in your life. Well, why is it second? Because your first priority is lining your life up with Jesus and that's what he's gonna teach you. Take care of your family. And wives, right? Your, your husband and your children are the second highest priority in your life. Why? Because the first priority in your life is running after intimacy with Jesus, becoming and being the woman he created you to be. And out of that, you'll have intimacy with your husband. What, what, what does that mean in terms of application for husbands, wives, and parents? What does it mean for single men and women who are sitting here going, you know, I'm not married, as in I'm not married yet because I haven't met him or her, right? Or, or I'm 13 and that'd be weird and illegal, except Kentucky, whatever that is. Or, or I'm not, <laughs> sorry, or I'm not, I'm not married as in I'm not married anymore. You know, they, they died or, or were divorced and I'm single again, right? It means this. This is really important. There are different seasons in your life where the priorities change. 
Because your life's different at different times in your life. And your time, talent, and money priorities change. So, so how about this? Let me just talk to single people real quick. If you're single or single again, in this season of your life, it may not always be this way, but in this season of your life, you have more freedom to make quicker decisions and do certain things that if you had a husband or wife or a bunch of kids, you couldn't do it. It's not right or wrong. It just is. You can turn quicker and do things quicker, right? If you're a young parent, small kids at home, it's probably not the best season to be going on five mission trips a year or volunteering at church 20 hours a week. That doesn't mean you don't do anything. It just means in this season of your life, your higher priority is your children, right? Don't let anybody, especially a church, don't let anybody feel, make you feel guilty about that, right? And write this down, important, right? Your family is more important than just about anything, you know, uh, other than, except for you and Jesus working out your stuff, which gives you a better family, your family is the most important. It's more important than any hobby you might want to pursue, any sports that you want to participate in or go watch. It's more important than volunteering at Flatirons. Taking care of your own kids is better. And I've seen this in my life, and every, every pastor, or, you know, that, that, that's in here can, can, can witness this, is that I've seen so many pastors and missionaries and church leaders and stuff like that go off and try to save the whole world and ignore their own families, and that's some of our stories in here, all right? How about this, you know, church leaders? Don't go off and try to save the world while your family gets shot to hell. It's just not fair. And it's not right. And a lot of us got wounded by that and run over by the church and the guilt the church puts on people. See, there are different seasons in your life where the priorities change. Your relationship with God will always be number one and providing and protecting your family will always be number two. And if those are in order, Jesus makes it really, really, really clear what his highest priority for you is in your life. And that would be gifted service. And here's what I mean by that. Jesus makes two clear promises when you put your faith in him. I believe you're the son of God, died on a cross for my sins. Two things happen in that moment. First, your sins are forgiven. Past sins, all the way back to middle school. Covered, all right? College sins, all covered, all right? What you're struggling with right now that you try to, I try it, but I can't stop, whatever that is, and everything you might screw up next Thursday, that is forgiven permanently. There's no condemnation, not coming back ever, 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 all right? The second thing that happens in that moment is Jesus comes and lives inside of us bringing with him what the Bible calls a spiritual gift, maybe more, but a spiritual gift, which sounds real churchy, but that's simply this, when Jesus moves inside of you, he brings something that Jesus gives you so that you can do what he says needs to be done. He wants some stuff done, he moves inside of you, he brings an ability to do that. The other thing he brings, the Bible calls is this, the fruit of the spirit, meaning this, it sounds churchy, but it really just makes sense. Just like a healthy apple tree produces, come on kids, Apples, all right, there you go, all right? A, a, a good, that's a good apple tree, why? You got apples all over, all right? When a person has Jesus living inside of them, their life begins to produce certain indicators that Jesus really is living in there. And if there's no indicators, it begs the question, is he really in there? Right, right? So, so the Bible says that the evidence or the fruit of the spirit of Jesus in your life is this. The fruit of the spirit of Jesus is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there's no law, there's no rule. Now you look at all those words. Those are words that would describe Jesus, thank you. Jesus, right? They would describe Jesus. If I were to have you write down your program, words that describe Jesus, I bet those would be the words. He's loving, he's kind, right? He's, he, he's good, he's faithful, he's gentle. Man, he's patient, man, he's patient, right? So they, they describe Jesus. So when Jesus moves inside of you, he gives you an ability to do what he wants done. And because he gives you his personality and character, he wants, as you do it, he wants you to do it in a way that Jesus would do it. How? Whatever you do, do it in a loving way, in a patient way, in a kind way, in a self-controlled way. Right now, all of our kids are in the kids ministry right now. They're all learning the fruit of the spirit. Today, it's patience. 
So be nice to them, all right? Because they're going to try yours, all right? So, so that's, just, that's just true. See, Jesus gives different people in this room different amounts of talent and ability. You can look and go, but he's got like five, you know, and Randy can do that and all that kind of stuff. And I look in the mirror like, I can only do a couple. That's, Jesus is in charge of that. But he gives everybody all of his personality and character because you have to have both. We talked about a couple weeks ago. Both is, it is better and you can't choose. I like all the fruit of the spirit except those three. I'm not going to do that. no. No, I, I, want to be, I want to do what Jesus does and I want to do it the way he did it. And Jesus says if my followers will do that, people will bump into, not the church, but bump into Jesus. And Jesus, not flat irons, not Christians, right? Jesus will change people. And Jesus will fix and heal and save. That's only he can do. And every week that value drives everything you see and everything you experience and everything you do. Everything that happens. And in terms of application, what's that mean for us sitting in this room? It means this. If you're here today and you say, this is my church, Flatters is my church. If you were asked at work or school or whatever, going, so what's that sticker? That's my church. What what, what do you mean by that? I mean, this is the place that I I trust to come and discover what God's truth is for my life. I got burned by some other churches. I trust this place. This is a place that God has used to change, it still is, change and help and heal and strengthen my life. This is a place where I or, or I and my family or I and my friends, we bumped into Jesus and continue to bump into Jesus every time we walk through those doors. This is a place that I trust to bring other people that I love because so I know nobody's gonna judge them or throw stones at them because of what they believe or what they look like or what they have on. And I know this is a safe place to bring people I care about because I believe this might be a place they might actually bump into Jesus and have a chance to make up their own mind about following him or not. It's their decision. If any or all of that applies to you, I would feel very comfortable saying, this is my church. This is my church. And I, or really Jesus would say, well, if this is your church, here's what needs to happen. You gotta prioritize your life or reprioritize your life if things are a little wacky. What do you mean? Put Jesus first and run after him. The rest of it doesn't matter until you do that. Put family second and provide and protect them. Maybe better than you have in the past. And the third thing would be this, partner with us. Partner, we don't have church membership. We just partner together. We link arms together. Partner with the rest of us here at Flatirons who have bumped into Jesus and reprioritize your time and your, and your abilities and your money to join with us to create a place where people actually bump into Jesus. Inside these walls every weekend and throughout the week and on the other side of the world. So to get this message out that God doesn't hate you. No matter what you've done, he loves you. He sent Jesus to us. And through Jesus, we can have a better full life, not just after our funeral in someplace called heaven, but now, today in this life. And you gotta change some stuff around in your life. And some of you are going, oh, I know where he's going. Jim, is this a money talk? Some of you are already going, oh, it's a money talk. Why did I bring my friend today? No, it's not a money talk. It's not. If it was, here's what I would say. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I would say, without apology, you should put as much money in those buckets back there as humanly possible to run after the most important things that we're running after, at least more important than some of the stuff we're throwing our money away currently on. Without apology, I would say that, but it's not a money talk. (laughs) And here's why it's not, because so many of you already get it based on the first couple minutes of, of this talk today. You understand it. And the only reason I would even mention money is so that anybody who's not engaged with us, we can do more in the world to make a difference. But I'm not gonna talk about money. Okay, there is a financial workshop in about three weeks, so you might want to check it out. And uh, if I was talking about money, I'd tell you to go to that, but we're not. So money aside, I, I do want to talk about the other two things, your time and your talents and abilities. And by that, here's what I mean. As, as you look at the season of your life you find yourself in, in this moment of life, 
It might have been different 10 years ago. It might be different 10 years from now. But, and as Jesus becomes higher and higher priority in your life, you have to ask yourself, it's just smart to ask yourself these questions throughout life. But it goes like this. What can I do in terms of my time? I have this much time. And in my season of life and what I'm really good at and what I can't do at all, what can I do that will partner with other people in this room that also call this, this is my church, to make sure that we continue to and we provide opportunities for other people to bump into Jesus and we all have a chance to grow and become the men and women God created us to be. What would need to be different in my life? What would have to change in my life if that's ever gonna happen? And again, some of you are going, so it's not a money talk. Uh, Jim, is, is this a volunteer recruitment drive, uh, one of those talks? Yes, yes it is, it is, without apology. But it's not the kind that I grew up in. I grew up with this, Jesus died on a cross for you. The least you can do is take care of some junior high kids and change some diapers. Not of junior high kids, that would be awkward. But you know, <laughs> maybe, I, I've seen, uh, uh, anyway, but, but, um, I'm, not, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna condescend down that, dumb it down like that. I, I'll just say this, gifted service is what Jesus did. All the things you can describe Jesus, the creator of the universe gets on his hands and knees and washes feet and then goes to a cross. He's a servant. Gift of service is what Jesus did. Gift of service is what followers of Jesus do. That's what he taught us. And if that's true, here it is, your need to serve somewhere is greater than Flatiron's need for you to volunteer here. See, you need to serve worse than we need you to serve here. It's just true. And we always say this about money. It's not a money talk, but we say this. You need to give a percentage of your money towards the things of God somewhere. Jesus said that. Put your money where your heart is. Here's what I say. If you don't trust Flatirons to leverage your money wisely, then find somewhere else that you do trust and give your money to them. Just don't be a greedy person and keep it all for yourself and come to the end of your life and realize I got a big pile of stuff, but I don't have anything that lasts longer than me. And what's true with money is also true, more importantly and most importantly with people. See, the most important thing you could ever leverage your time and your talents and your abilities for Besides following Jesus and loving your family well, is to provide a chance for other people to bump into Jesus now and eternally. He can change their lives. See, this, this is really important. Serving as Jesus served is the biggest indicator that a person really is beginning to understand and really is connected to Jesus. Not church attendance, not Bible verses memorized, not Bible studies attended, not how loud you sing, all right? Serving as Jesus served is the biggest, number one indicator a person really is beginning to understand really is connected to Jesus. It's what he taught, it's what he did, and what he tells us to do. So I'm gonna give you several ways to do that today. If you've never served around here or currently aren't serving, but you, but you call this my church. I'm just talking to the people who say, this is my church. Before I do that, I, I wanna kind of explain a reality that happens hundreds of times within 50 miles of this place, maybe 100 miles of this place every weekend. I want you to understand what's at stake. And some of you are gonna sit there and go, that's my story. See, somewhere in Denver, in Colorado, heck, in, in Nebraska and Wyoming. It, I, it's crazy how far people drive to come to church here, right? But somewhere in the world right now, there is a woman in the last week or so, maybe even right now, she's sitting at her kitchen table and she's praying. And she's praying for her husband or her boyfriend or her son or her friend. And the reason she's praying is because she's worried about them and she loves them, she cares about them. And she is invited over and over, asked, begged, bribed, done everything she knows to get this person to come to Flatirons just this one weekend and to give it a chance. Over and over she said, just come and see, just come and see, just come and see. And on the 150th time, they either lost a bet or they just said, I'll go if you'll just shut up, I'll go one time. But I'm not going back and I'm not gonna like it. I'm not gonna get into all that Jesus crap, I'm just not. I'm actually quoting conversations that have been told to me, all right? So she's at her table right now, or last night in bed, and she's praying. Here's how her prayer goes. Dear God, I have one shot. Please rearrange the universe so that everything goes well, right? 
See, God, I, you run the universe. Please make the parking lot open up like Moses crossed the Red Sea. I know you can do it, Lord, all right? Perform a miracle and help us get a parking spot up close because I know him. We're gonna get stuck in traffic and he's gonna get mad and we're gonna circle the lot one time and he's gonna look at me and go, I'm going home. So God, sovereign God of the universe, make the parking lot work, all right? Second, God, don't let anybody flip him off this weekend, please. <laughs> you know who you are, right? And I, see... And I know, I know, he'll probably flip three or four people off, and I'm sorry, but please, just make people be nice to him because he's already been burned by people who claim to be Christians in the past, and he's just looking for one excuse to say, I told you so. See, I told you so, it's no different here. And please, dear God, the first time I came to Flatirons, I couldn't get our kid into class because it was full, they didn't have enough leaders. And I get it, I love you. I understand how awesome it is to have all those children learning about Jesus, but he doesn't care about that. Not at all. He'll say something to the effect of, what kind of place is this six flags over Jesus mega church that turns babies away? That's what he'll say. Somebody said that to me before, right? So, and then we'll have to leave, right? Please, God, make sure that we have enough leaders for our kids. And please, dear God, I know, and this is a stretch, but whoever, whatever door we go into the auditorium, right, please let the guy who hands them a program actually be a real dude and not some, good to see you, bless your brother, weirdo, all right? <laughs> and while I'm asking, can you make sure that that dude is totally tatted out? Because my husband or my boyfriend, my son has already said, if anybody says anything about my tattoo mom, like they did in the last church, I'm gonna punch him in the face, which is why we had to leave our last church, right? So... <laughs> And Lord, speaking about, this is a long prayer, isn't it? <laughs> this is a good one, all right? And Lord, speaking to my son, I know he's just willing to come that one time, that one weekend, but somehow, if he could just find out about our student ministries at Flatters and what they do, how they're not all weird like what he sees on South Park. It's funny, but they're not all like that. And, and it really, 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 really awesome, fun place to come and figure out how to survive this thing called life. God, if you could do that, I, I don't know what I'd do. I think about it and pray for my son all the time. And when we get to the, I'm not done. And when we get to the auditorium, help us find a seat where my husband's leg doesn't touch another dude's leg. He doesn't like that. Make the music awesome and loud and use Randy's guitar solo, not just to melt his face, but to cause his fist to come unclenched so he actually listens to Jim and Scott. And speaking of Jim and Scott, Lord, I, I know they'll teach the hard truth found in the Bible, but if they could maybe use either a target shooting illustration or a CrossFit weightlifting illustration as opposed to Jesus is like a daffodil illustration, that would be better. Because he doesn't like daffodils. That's called a tangent right there, but you know, do you, what this woman is praying is this, let's just get all them. God, please use flat irons so that somebody that I really love and care about bumps into Jesus. And I've been to a lot of churches and I think this is our last shot. And I don't know of a lot of other places where he might or she might actually listen. Do you see the picture I'm painting here? I'm painting a picture where the church that Jesus had in mind 2,000 years ago, he had this idea called church. It's a place we call flat irons. It's filled up with people who are partnering with one another because none of us are good enough to do it all by ourselves, but everybody doing something to make sure that everybody who comes through those doors has a chance to bump into and eventually decide what they believe about Jesus. And so out in the lobby today, you're gonna find several displays. You're gonna try really, really, really hard to not see them. They all have these cards and flyers on them. You know, just, just, just pick up one of them out there and figure out how God wants to use you to partner with what Jesus is doing in this place. So, so, so stop by one or two of them. Some of them have information meetings today, maybe next weekend, some throughout the summer. So if you can't do it, that, that's fine. Some of them are going to walk in and go, how could I help? And they're going to kidnap you and you won't even get out of the building. All right? That's just true. There are all levels of gifted service depending on your gifts, what you're good at and what you're not good at, and the, this season of your life. We'll help you figure that out. And here's the other part of this. Try one. If you don't like it, quit. Find another one. Find another one. But just keep on. Like, just don't sit here until you go, I, couldn't, I tried once. It didn't work. And I'm never going to try again. No, no, no. So here's a, here's a snapshot of some of the areas, all right? So I talked to guest services, all right? And guest services is what kind of runs everything around here. I said, do you have any openings? They said, yeah, we have like 400 openings. 
All right, all right. Everything from prayer teams, like people, well, this is how we do prayer teams. We don't counsel people down here. You go down here and go, hey, could you pray for me? And all week long, you know you have somebody praying for you. That's all I need. I just need to know that for the next six, seven days, somebody is thinking about me and praying for me, all right? We need to help out in the parking lot more than anything else. We need, we need help in our parking lot. We need help with communion, handing out programs. It doesn't matter what, what, who you are, what you look like. T- tatted out 20-somethings or tatted out cool hip grandmas. It doesn't matter. Tattoos are desired but not required, all right? Um, I mean, we have, if, if you're if a grandma to a felon, we, we have, hey, if you're a grandma and you're a felon, we, we have a room for you, all right? Last night, somebody pointed at the grandma, I don't know, and the grandma's like, shut up, you know, and it's like, it's, hey, we open our door, our arms wide, everybody. But let, me, let me tell you how far we open our arms. Some of you are sitting here right now going, you know what, I, I don't even know if I believe all this stuff yet. I believe some of it, but I, that Jesus part, I, I'm not sure what I believe about that. Can, can I serve here? Let me just tell you, we made a decision a long time ago, we're okay with that. And here's what I mean by that. We, 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 we decided that you can belong here before you believe everything. Because I can't think of a better place to figure out what you believe better than side by side with some other people who are trying to figure it out too. So you, yeah, there's a place for you here. How about facilities, all right? With this many people in a, in a, coming into this room four times a weekend and all those kids, you're, you're messy. You are messy Christians. You are, all right, all right? You're messy. I'm not. I stand up here. It's clean, all right? So, but you all, trash, all right? So you're sitting there going, I can't play guitar and I can't do this. What can I do? How about, can you take out the trash? Because we have a lot of it. Take out the trash for Jesus, all right? I, I can mop a restroom. I can, I can run a vacuum. I can straighten up all the chairs before and after services. I can set up baptism hot tubs. How cool is that? I, I like decorating. I can decorate the building for Christmas. I love this one. This actually was given to me by, by our facilities department. Um, we need some people that can scrape up dead squirrels out of the parking lot. <laughs> Apparently, it's a problem. A lot of squirrels are suicidal here in Lafayette. And... Uh, <laughs> Which is a great thing. So, so do, do you, how, do you serve, how do you serve Jesus? I'm part of the dead squirrel team. That's all I can tell you. Move along. It's very selective. All right? It'd be an awesome t-shirt though. But anyway, right? Right? So, so check that out. All right? So, so for, for all the reasons mentioned earlier, kids ministry, we have a place for some of you to serve. Not everybody, but some, some of you. Remember a few weeks ago I said this, we have between 50 and 70 new families check kids into, ministry, in, into the kids ministry every weekend. After that, kids ministry came to me and went, Jim, that's the, this is our slow time. This fall when school gets back in, that, that number doubles some weekends. And because of that, we need right now 180 new people who have never served in there before to come and join that kids team, serving one service twice a month. One service out of the weekend twice a month. And kids ministry is a little more specialized, so is student ministries. So, so if, you, if you're thinking about kids ministry or student ministries, just so you know, we're gonna get your information and we're gonna do a background check on you because we have a no weirdos get near our kids policy around here. So some of you can help with our kids, some of you can't, but you can park cars. <laughs> yeah, and you're the, you're, never mind. All right, so all right, right, right. And, and here's the other thing about all these ministries. It's a great place to meet people if you're new around here. How, how'd you guys become friends? Directing cars, scraping squirrels, whatever that is, all right? So student ministries, and this one's dear to my heart. For 20 years, I was, a, I, was a, I was a youth pastor, middle school and high school students. The most formative, how am I going to spend the rest of my life, years of your life. Some of our biggest mistakes were made in high school and middle school, right? And we just need somebody to walk through us with. We need, we need both men and women in middle school. But let me, let me tell you this. We especially need men in high school ministry. Godly men who are running after Jesus. 
Either because some of our guys, we just, they just did a series down there called Daddy Issues, and it just rose to the surface that so many people, some of our guys don't have dads or dads that are involved in their life. But then some of our guys have great dads. They just need another voice in their, in their ear and in their heart saying the same thing. Well, that's what my dad said. So we just need some men to come alongside some high school guys. Also our college ministry. I think it's the best college ministry in the country, and I've seen a lot of them. But it's not just old people leading young people. We have roles for college students to lead other college students. Because you guys are in the middle of it. And to, to open up your home or your dorm room or whatever and mentor other students. We do have room for adults out, out of college, young, old, married, single, who simply love Jesus and are willing to kind of approach the whole thing from the perspective of, of me too. Let's run after Jesus together. I want to help you, other people bump into Jesus. There are hundreds and hundreds of opportunities to serve around here. The takeaway would be this. Pick one and jump right in. Yeah, I told you that Jesus loves country music. It's in the Bible. All right. All right, so this is the eighth time Scott and I have gone through our value series. And uh, so we've been here seven and a half years, eighth time. And every year I, I get this one, all right? And the reason I think is uh, because I always close the talk with this. And what I'm about to say in the next like five minutes, it's going to cause some people to applaud and it's going to cause some people to get mad. So mad that you will never, ever, ever come back. Usually you'll send me an email. I've already gotten a couple from last night. that goes to this effect. I cannot believe that you just said what you said. But the people that are about to get mad, let me just, I'll tell you who you are, all right? You're not the visitors. As a matter of fact, the visitor can go, wow, that, that's kind of cool, all right? all right? It's not the current hardworking volunteers around here. You're, you're actually going to feel more valued in the next five or ten minutes than, than, than by anything I've said so far. The, the people that are about to get really, really mad, you're Christians. And by that I mean this, you're church hopper Christians. Christians who attend several different churches to get fed but don't help out very much at any of them. As a matter of fact, you can tell the church hoppers are because they just went like that, right? And, and, and they're going to turn red and then they're going to walk out in a minute. So help them pack. All right, so here we go, all right? Here we go. You need to find a place to serve, all right? Not because Flatirons is desperate or falling apart. We're not. I'd say we're in the best place we've ever been in terms of health, all right? No, you need to serve because that's what followers of Jesus do, Right? It doesn't even really have that much to do with flatterance. It's what followers of Jesus do. Now, everybody believes that. Everybody can agree with that. That makes sense, right? Here's the part that ticks some people off. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, all right, if you don't want to serve here, again, just talking to Christians, then, then think about this. The smartest, wisest, most spiritual, most biblical thing that you could do with your limited time, talent, and money is this. After the service, gather your things, get up out of your chair, go, go get your child that other people have been taking care of, and go and leave this church and go find a place, find another church, another organization, go find a place that you do trust more to run after Jesus. Maybe you can and you're willing to serve there. So why do you say that? Because you don't have enough time, talent, or money to do or serve anywhere effectively in, in two or three different places. It's just you get spread too thin. And I say that for several different reasons. First of all, the most important, according to Jesus, followers of Jesus serve. So figure that out and go point your time, talent, and money at what's most important to you. Hopefully it's here, but if not here, go find it somewhere else. Got a Facebook message last night that says, I serve the church of the world. That's like saying, I love the world. Yeah, how many kids have you fed? None. It's not really helpful, right? That's just, just true. Second, we go like this. There are seasons of your life 
where it's all you can do to drag yourself in here for one hour. I mean, you're barely alive, barely breathing. And you come in here because you are in or you have been in the middle of the worst time of your life, the worst, most painful, hard season of your life. It is all you can do to get here once a week. And if that's you, just hear me. There's no expectation from you. There's no ask from you. Just, you just come here and let Jesus put his arms around you and begin to give you strength and heal up that part of your life during this season of your life. You just sit back and take a breath. But painful times like that are only meant to be seasons of your life. They are not meant to be the ongoing way of my life that goes on and on and on forever. So if you've been coming to Flatirons for several months, let alone several years, you've never given anything, never helped with anything, never volunteered to help carry the load so that other people can have what you have. And really important here, honestly, you have no plans to ever give or do anything in the future. Again, let me encourage you. And I'm not talking to the hurting and wounded people in the room. I'm talking to the lazy entitled Christians. Please gather your things and go find a place where you can give and serve. Because if you stay here much longer and continue to do nothing but take, eventually you'll see something or you'll hear something and you won't like it, like right now, all right? And then because you don't have anything you know, invested or at risk beyond your own personal comfort or your own personal preference, you'll start to whine. I'm, I'm describing lunch for some of you right now. You'll start to whine and then you'll complain and then you'll criticize and then you'll start to infect the other people around you that have to listen to you. And eventually, just like Jesus taught, is that if a body part is sick and doesn't work, it will spread and it'll infect the entire body around it. So before you sit here and make other people sick, you have our permission to go find a place, not where you can go make other people sick, they don't want you either, but where, where, you, where you can go and partner with them and maybe have a, cho- a shot to serve and become healthy and happy. So for your own spiritual health and the spiritual health of this place, go in peace. I hope in peace, but, but go. We release you. All right, go, all right? And the other reason is this, is that we need your seat. All right, that's awkward laughter, right? We do. See, I, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't mind being crowded and giving you know, money to buy more seats. I don't even mind the crowded parking lots in here and, and what we're doing to, to up, up, up I-70 at the new campus. We, we just don't want to, or it's really, really frustrating, sacrificing our limited money and time because we don't have very much of it for people who are already saved. You're going to heaven. That's not even an issue here, all right? You just plan on sitting in a chair and doing nothing until you get to heaven. You're saved. You just don't want to help anybody else. And we need your seat and your parking space for somebody that we love who doesn't know Jesus yet. So he kind of needs you to get out of the way if you're not going to help because we got some people that we want to come and meet, bump into Jesus. Now, two things. If any of the last couple of minutes have made you mad, let me ask you this. Why, why are you mad? Are you mad because you're hurting so bad you can't volunteer and you can't partner and you can't give because I, and, I'm, and I made you feel bad about that? Well, then you weren't listening well. We covered that. You don't need to do anything right now except let God and us try to take care of you. So you just take a breath. But if that season of hurting has turned into a habitual lifestyle of sitting and criticizing, and you have no plans to do anything in the future except sit and criticize, if you're mad about, at me about that because I called you out on that, I, I can live with that. See, there are some things that are worth having people mad at you about. Or how about this? Are you mad because what I said is true, but you don't want it to be true because if it really is true, it's intrusive. Because you know it's not Jim saying it, it's not Flatiron saying it, it's Jesus saying that following him involves reprioritizing your time and your abilities and your money and you're not sure you really want to do that. In other words, you get to go to heaven, which is true. You're just not going to do anything that's intrusive or inconvenient to your time and your money so somebody else might get a chance to go. Okay, I'm okay with you being mad at me on that one too. I'm so okay with it 
I'm so okay with that. that if you decide to go to another church because I hurt your feelings for pointing out that you're a lazy, entitled Christian, again, go in peace, I hope. But go angry, just go. And, and here's the other thing, is if, if you say, I'm gonna email the elders about this, I talk to them, they'll help you pack. They really, really it, it, we're all okay with that. And you say, well, that sounds kind of harsh. So let me go back to the beginning of this whole talk. I've had the two best weeks of my life I mean, there's some people that I really, 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 really love over in Afghanistan who are going to be alive because of you all, who are going to get to go to school for the first time, who their, their families are going to come back together. And the other, but selfishly, let me, let me tell you kind of what's behind this. I now have two grandbabies who go to this church. Did I mention that? Yeah, right? See, they're going to be raised in this church. I don't want them to ever know and experience what a lot of us have, that there are Christians in the world who do nothing but sit around and criticize and stink up the place with hypocrisy and laziness. I know it exists, I just don't want them to ever experience it. And some, some, some of you are sitting there going, well, Jimmy, you're gonna make some people mad. Are you, are you worried that this talk may cause some people to leave flat irons? Not at all. And that's not arrogance, but let me, let me clear something up. We're not trying to build a big church. It's not our goal at all. It's never been our agenda. More, more, no, no. We're trying to build an effective church that actually makes a difference in the world. So how about this? Here's a better way. Please hear me. I hope you don't leave. I hope you don't leave. I hope no, I was starting to say nobody, but there's a couple of you. You'd be all right. All right, so, because um, <laughs> I know you. All right, so I, I, how about, here's a better way though, all right? How about you just come and see? Come, come a little closer than what you've been in the past and jump right in and help us do for other people what's been done for us so we got a chance to bump into Jesus. And if you're already serving and giving here, would you just consider today a big thank you? As a matter of fact, could the whole room just give it up for all the volunteers that made today possible? See, no matter how many people come here, my life doesn't change. I do this, but the parking lots get crazier and the kids' ministry get crazier, so they, they make this place go. If you're not serving yet, would you please just stop by the lobby and have a conversation with people, pick up two or three cards and try to figure that out out okay let's stand up I'm gonna pray we're gonna sing one song and then we're gonna leave and some of us are gonna come back (laughs) I hope everybody does all right so let's pray we'll sing get out of here right God I love you so much I know I made some people mad I really am okay with that and that's not arrogance I'm just you know your son Jesus used to stand up on a hill and say true things and it made people so mad that eventually they nailed him to a cross to get him to shut up but you can't shut Jesus up because he's changed he changes people and he comes and lives inside of people and his message is that God doesn't hate anyone, no matter what other churches have told you, other people have told you, whatever. God loves you so much, he sent his son Jesus to come and forgive your sins and move inside of you so we have a shot at becoming the men and women we were created to be. God, we wanna be a part of that. He changed our lives, we wanna be a part. We can't change anybody's life, but if you could use us to break down barriers and create places where people can bump into Jesus, that would be an honor. God, again, I, I thank you so much for those that sacrificed so many hours and so many dollars to make what happens in this place and around the world possible. And I pray for those that are trying to figure out if this is the church for them. Well, now they know we're a church that's trying to make a difference. And if that means thousands of more people or thousands less people, as long as we're making a difference in the world, that is all, all that matters. God, thank you for forgiving our sins. Thank you for coming and living inside of us. It's our only hope. It's our only shot. We want to be a church that actually represents Jesus to the world. And with your help, we can do that. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen.